Monster Chimps. podcast coming at you live <laughs> that was my really sad attempt to make a chimp noise wasn't bad uh, it'll, it'll come along i'm working on it practice makes perfect okay so today's episode is strictly about monster movies Ooh. specifically uh in recent uh news godzilla the movie 2014 remake oh. yeah saw it last night it was awesome godzilla making his triumphant return See, that's just it. It's like, uh, Godzilla was actually addressed as a he in this film. Wow, so he's actually gender. Yeah. It wasn't always presumed that he was just kind of genderless. Yeah, I mean, that was yeah. the thing. And, like, in the 98 film, uh, they right. came out saying, like, it reproduced asexually. And that kind of confused me back then, because I was like, what, we were eight years old-ish? Yeah. Somewhere around there? Yeah. And uh, just not having a concept of sex right. was a weird thing for me to grasp back then. Well, we, then again, like, we didn't have a concept of sex at all. <laughs> like, kind of like, did. Like, like, nonetheless, asexual. All right, maybe, that was like third grade, man. Maybe it took me a little bit longer to come around. But yeah. See, I don't, think we, had a, I don't think we had a full conceptual grasp about it, but when we understood the concept on a very high level. Right. No, that totally makes sense. Uh, yeah, but yeah, asexual now to he genderfied Godzilla. Well, I mean, just because you reproduce asexually doesn't mean, you know, you can't be you're not gender. Yeah, I wonder how they're gonna keep up with the canon now. Are they just gonna completely forget like the '98 movie ever happened? They're just gonna like pretend like the like 2014 onward. That's it. It's a totally different story. Yeah, so they have to. Okay, so so if they can just disregard the '98 film, then it doesn't matter. That's just it. They treat '98 basically didn't happen. Yeah, as far as the Godzilla universe is concerned. So this kind of yeah, this it's a reboot. They're starting over. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. It's a little bit different than that. Okay. Obviously, folks, I have not seen the movie yet, but I probably will in the not-too-distant future. You definitely so, need to. I, I'm excited. It's yeah. good. No, I'm, I'm a big Godzilla fan. Like, we've been, like, I, come on, growing up on the cartoon, we, it, was, it was horrible, but we saw it. And, and well, that, that was the old one from, like, the 60s, 70s. Resyndicated back in the 90s on Cartoon Network. Right. And that's when we were first exposed to Godzilla, at least what we thought of as Godzilla. That was obviously long after, like, I, I don't know about you, but at that time, I had no idea that the, that the 60s movies, guys in the suits, I, didn't, I had no idea those even existed. Yeah, not, I knew those existed because I had actually seen one, and then, like, in light of the new Godzilla film coming out, like, they had a bunch of, like, promo material stuff about it. Uh, there was a lot of talk about the original show kind of making a, uh, I think all those episodes are on Netflix now. Are they really? So you can actually go watch all the old 60s and 70s Godzilla films. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. So yeah, uh, they recently did that. Um, I watched it at Flick's Brewhouse uh, in Round Rock last night, and uh, they had the, you you know the Alamo does their like pre-show, you know, combobulation stuff. Yeah, it's always entertaining. Yeah, so they had like this uh, documentary about the actual 1970s production, uh, talking about the original, like, they called it Suitmation. Wow. Uh, that was like the first real attempt in cinema to actually put on a full suit for an actor. 
That is so cool. And obviously that inspired Predator and all the other movies that yeah. came after it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. uh, as far as like prosthetic props and stuff, I mean, Godzilla was kind of at the forefront of that. That's When you think about that, you know, you wouldn't think that Godzilla would be like the movie to kind of start that whole line of work. But it well, did. I mean, it, yeah. They had been doing it on a very like minor scale. I think that was the first like full time. They actually had, like a full suit for that particular type of production. But uh, yeah, the first one apparently weighed like two hundred pounds, and like, oh, uh, can you imagine that? There were two guys that were actually Godzilla throughout oh, the entire franchise, and they, they did like probably switch off. Well, they would switch off, but apparently like yeah. one of them passed out a number of times. Oh, it, it does not surprise me. But yeah. uh, so like, and the thing is like every every movie they would actually reinvent the suit to make it better. So they basically rebuild it from scratch, which is why his appearance changes so frequently from movie to movie. And now you know. We learned something today. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Let's see if I can't find a link and put that in the show notes. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean. That's awesome. And the movie itself was really good. Yeah, I was yeah. really impressed. Yeah. I mean, there's not a whole lot of monster action going on. A lot of it is, you know, based on the humans. And it really brings a very Hollywoodist. And that's why I have to ask. Like, do you think that the humans detracted from the story itself? Or, like, would you rather have just had more monsters or... Was it actually worthwhile? I feel like it could go it could go either way. I think what they did was definitely palatable to the hardcore audience and still approachable from newcomers to the genre. And at the That's same why time, they did it, yeah. I think the way they did it was great in that you didn't have high expectations for an epic monster fight. Because I think you have this very specific view of how a monster on monster brawl would happen and then I don't think it would ever live up. Yeah, I can totally see that. But they did have a good number. Like, it, they didn't play out exactly like I wanted them to. I, I wanted to see some more, you know, definite action sequences. But, I mean, what they had was pretty good. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, uh, there's a reasonable amount of suspense. Uh, the humans just seem to... They, they definitely played on the campiness of the original, where the humans are just kind of, like, throwing their entire military force at it. It's just nothing's working. And they, they, they <laughs> I mean, they, they bring those elements back, but I mean, it, it just really well done. I liked it. Yeah, no, that's really reassuring. But so, like, okay, so with Godzilla coming out, I, I've noticed a trend where monster movies have become a more commonplace thing. Yeah, and so we were kind of thinking about this, and I don't know. Do you think it was obviously monster movies back in the fifties? Right, I'm thinking of like you know the alien invasion movies and that kind of stuff. Well, but aliens were a big thing back in the nineties because you know the, the Roswell the, stuff the started coming back. And yeah, then right. All those conspiracy theories started coming out of the woodwork with uh, you know, <laughs> Always, lights in the sky. Yeah, right. And crazy mysterious hum. Right, and crazy farmers started seeing stuff again. Right, claiming you know insertions of different things. But and this. <laughs> Abduction story's gone wrong. Gird your loins. <laughs> but um, no, I, it just kind of is weird because I'm, I'm thinking that monster movies never really fell out, right? Because like you saw, you, you had back in like the 50s and 60s, that was when the genre kind of started. And you saw all the, you know, it's kind of serials turned into movies. Well, it's like you and had they got Flyboy. Like, um, I'm talking like low B budget movies. Oh, yeah. uh, the monster from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, yeah, right. And then you had uh, Dracula, Frankenstein, all the Universal the mummy. mummies. I mean, all right, all yeah. the traditional B horror monster films of the day were based on like a lot of like old uh, yeah. folklore. Yeah, well, Bram Stoker, right? And all the novels. Yeah, yeah. Right. and so then there was like Shelley. this adaptation where like all of a sudden, uh, especially in the '60s, uh, after everything with World War II happened, the atomic bomb. 
Um, they play on that in the new Godzilla film too, but uh, Godzilla was kind of a born out of that radiation uh, yeah. element. Yeah, and I think that's why it also caters so much to the Japanese because, like, obviously it's, it's so close to home, and that's mm-hmm. what, and that's what inspired that whole kind of folklore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, God, that'd be that'd be terrible that they made money on such a horrible tragedy. What <laughs> uh, you know, like. I suppose it's kind of like when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade, you know? I don't know that they drink lemonade in Japan. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the best kind of metaphor to use here is. Maybe our Japanese audience can clarify the use of lemons in Japan. Yeah, somebody would like to give us an email or a shout-out, please do. (laughs) But, yeah, so, um, yeah, uh, movies that come to mind in recent years were uh, King Kong was one of the big ones in 2005. Yeah, Peter Jackson. And I mean, like, you had Godzilla back in 98, but I mean, after that... We try to forget about that one. <laughs> even then, after that, I don't really remember a major monster film trying to actually come out into the mainstream. King Kong was the first one to do it, and that was a remake. Yes. That was highly successful yeah. at the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, 500 million worldwide? Yeah. It's it's something like that. And... Really impressive. Um, but then, like, you go beyond that, and you got uh, Pan's Labyrinth was probably Pan's... one of the more... Pan's Island was an excellent movie. If nobody's seen that, just stop what you're doing and go see it. Like, it was mind-blowingly good. Wildly successful yes. for a really surrealistic and fantasy-based foreign film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, it's the whole thing's in Spanish, by the way. Get used yeah. to it. Subtitled, though. Subtitled. But really well done. And, like, just the imagination that comes with it, I think it kind of took a lot of artistic license for oh, the yeah. monster genre. Oh, yeah. But definitely, like, it... It kind of bridged the gap between fantasy and extreme, crazy, like, character design. Yes. But then also having a very well-developed and very well-executed plot. It did. It def- definitely did. And the, and some of the monsters um, were harrowing. They really were. Like, just seeing how, like, they were plausible, but at the same time, they were genuinely scary. Mm-hmm. And that is, like, like, even the good ones, too, that come off as sympathetic – Still have an, a creepiness to them, mm-hmm. and that and that coupled with the whole kind of like you don't know where the plot's going, is just it creates a movie going experience that we re, we have not seen in recent time. Plain and simple. Yeah, and then I I think it kind of tapered off again because then you got uh, the most recent one come to mind after that would be uh, Super Eight. Yeah, and Super Eight was a monster film in the sense that it was building up to this epic moment where you finally see this thing that people have been talking about right. the and whole it, thing. And you see the alien break out, yeah. And just, I don't know. The, spoilers. <laughs> I was trying to avoid spoilers in this one, man. It's uh, just been out for a few years. Like, yeah. It's no big deal. Yeah. Well, I mean, so um, Super 8, the trailers come out for it, and it looks awesome. Right. Like, J.J. Abrams is finally doing some shit. I mean, he still has this, you know, trademark solar flare thing going on. Yeah. But, uh I mean, it's got a solid premise. I really like the time period. It's based in the 70s. Uh, pseudo-military cover-up. Oh, I mean, I, I, it, oh, no, I'd say big-time military cover-up. It left so yeah. much open-ended. And then like, yeah. it zooms in on the container on that train that yes. crashes. And then as soon as it busts out, like it goes black. And you're just like, what the What f- happened? What is this going to be? That, that was, I remember that was the original trailer. Um, I, I don't have no idea what movie I was seeing at the time. But when I saw the trailer come up... It was so suspenseful because you don't know where he's going with that. You didn't know what kind of movie it was going to be. 
So the movie itself kind of, it, it tried so hard to encompass that, but I feel like the editor for the trailer really knew how to position it without giving away anything. Yes. And it kind of let the movie fell flat a little. And I feel like it kind of overhyped itself. Yeah, it did. And, and at the end, I would say the end did not justify the means. Well, it's like you right. spend all this time waiting to see it, and you catch glimpses of the monster. Like, you gradually see more and more of it as the film progresses. But then when you finally see it in its entirety, you're just like, that's not as scary as I was hoping it would be. Yeah. I, I was yeah. – granted, I love a little bit of gore with my character designs when it comes to monsters and stuff. But I, it just – that whole kind of thing, it, it petered out a little bit. It did. Yeah, and uh, Super 8 was a, it was a it was an attempt, but ultimately it wasn't great, you know. Still made money. Still made money, which is ultimately that's all the studios care about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's talk about Cabin in the Woods because it oh, needs man. to be brought up. You're skipping some time. Uh, yeah, well, no. Just, well, okay, so next, Cabin in the Woods the was 2012. Year. This is next year. Yeah, so, okay, yeah. so Cabin in the Woods was kind of the next follow-up. I think, in the monster genre. Yeah. But they took it to an extreme. Well, Joss Whedon directed that, by the oh, way. Oh, man. If you didn't know that, yeah. I, uh, we talked about that earlier. Yeah. And I'm, personally, I don't know that I'm directly familiar with any of his work. Joss but... Whedon did Firefly, and he did Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He, he, he was big on TV before he branched okay, into okay. movies. Yeah, I, I remember that's... Buffy, and I never really did Firefly. Firefly is only one season, and a lot of people are very sad about that. Yeah. Well, there's a whole lot of yeah. politics with Fox and everything that goes in there. But... Right. And then, obviously, uh, more recently, did the Avengers, which is huge. So, yeah, yeah. I still haven't seen the Avengers. Have not touched that franchise. I think the Avengers was a pleasant surprise for being such a big movie. It was actually pretty good, and that's that. I'm that was surprising because, like, then again, though, I'm a sucker. I liked Iron Man quite a bit. Okay, I, I loved Iron Man. Yeah, until Robert Downey got out of the cave. <laughs> After that, that that was the whole movie. That was, but that was the whole point. Is he was supposed to like that, that's what inspired him to become Iron Man is breaking out. I don't care. <laughs> oh like the movie is perfect until he gets out and then he goes and does the press conference and says, "I am Iron Man." Yeah, but that's that's his that character. That was the end of the movie. That's why me. that's why Tony Stark is awesome because he does not care. Yeah, but see that that okay. So for me, that was the end of the film because I didn't care about anything after that. All the conflict that happened after that, it made no sense to me. But he, he had to take out the evil businessmen and. You know, yeah, but at that time, at that point, it's just a political statement. It's not actually lending credence to Tony Stark's development. It's not lending a whole lot of credence yeah. to anything other than you know a potential love interest that develops. Because then at that point, it's just him saving his girlfriend at that point. Right. And that's where Hollywood kind of failed it. I feel like up until he announces, I am Iron Man, that's where it should have ended. And then they could have totally gone somewhere else in Iron Man 2. Well, Iron Man 2, he, I'd say he still developed. Because in Iron Man 2 and 3, he made a ton of new suits. And which is consistent with the comics. Yeah, the but comics, then they bring out Whiplash and making new suits too. Yeah, and Whiplash kind of an obscure Iron Man villain. I'll give yeah. it to you. So yeah, well, and then they had the uh, they had the quote unquote Mandarin in the third movie, and <laughs> that was interesting. The superhero films are for another day. That's true. Let's get back to Cabin the Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, <laughs> Joshua Joss Whedon. A still. very pleasant refresh of the monster genre, I think. It was very B movie, but very mainstream, which was really cool. Yes, but they wanted to get that feel. Well, okay, so it starts out as a horror film, and then yes. it turns into this weird sci-fi yes. curmudgeon but, of but it, it, stuff. Even from the beginning of the movie, though, they hinted that there was stuff going on behind the scenes. Oh, yeah, yeah, no doubt. Like, yeah. there's there's bits and pieces of the uh, the Overlord seeing yes. kind of stuff. They do a number of things. They bring in uh, other cultures' depiction of horror. Um Japan is one. Uh, France, I think, was another one. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. It's been a little while since I've seen it. I'm trying to remember. 
But yeah, so whenever I think Japanese horror film, they kind of nailed it on the head with their depiction of it. But then they go into the American horror, which is more about, you know, like, you know, a group of people get isolated in the woods. And and you got Texas Chainsaw Massacre breaks out. Yeah. And not so much Chainsaw Massacre, but I mean, I, I think it's great how they made it campy. And very self-aware. Yeah, it was very self-aware. But also making a serious a attempt good, at it. That's a really good point, yeah. And it was refreshing in that, you know, you could actually sit back and actually laugh at some of the stuff that was going on instead of you trying to be so tense and serious the whole time. Right. And you just kind of just, as soon as you realize that and then everything starts going wrong, I think that's whenever you can, like, sit back and just be like, okay, this is a ride and I'm going to enjoy it. I mean... Cabin yeah. in the Woods is kind of it, it set the bar. I it, think. it was. Uh, it, I think that self awareness and also the amount of just, just like all, all that, all that differing kind of like uh, horror scares, but also not being horror at all because it has a bigger twist to it than that. It, it was a good movie. It really was. Well, so they they kind of bridge the divide because it yeah. opens up as a you know typical you know kids go off on a trip. Yeah. Uh, come to find out there's some big secret organization involvement to it. So there's that element to it. Uh, then they go on to be like, totally. they, they, they end up in the basement of the cabin that they're staying at. And that's kind of where everything starts to piece together. Cause like you see all these like random knickknacks and artifacts yeah. and stuff. And then they like, as soon as one guy picks up the conch shell, <laughs> A Lord of the and Flies then reference. It, it cuts yeah. over. Yeah. Well, there's that, yeah. but, uh, it cuts over to the guy in the control room who's like, do it. Yeah, do, do it. it. Do Blow it. <laughs> and then you realize, like, whoa, okay, what? everything in that room is a trigger for something, apparently. Yeah. And then she reads the diary. And after, after that, it just... It's kind of, yeah. It that, that's when the ride started for me, because at that point, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't so freaked out about the whole movie. Yeah, and, and, and it was a pleasant twist, no doubt it about it. It was a really it. good twist. And yeah. then, like, everything goes to shit. And they... <laughs> oh, man. They, Which is always good when you have that kind of horror movie. <laughs> they they take a horror story and turn it into this campy awesomeness. And the way they actually brought a lot of these weird fantastical creatures into oh, the yeah. real world. Yeah. Like freaking uh, spirit wraiths. Yeah. There's all there, yeah. I remember at the end of the movie when they finally get to the installation and they all oh, that giant room with just all the cells. Oh, dude, the yeah. hallway with the elevators. Yeah. And then as soon as it goes ding... Best okay for people who don't like gore. That's probably not the best scene for you to watch. <laughs> but, but it, I laughed my ass off at that part. Yeah, it works. It, it all works. That's just kind of the bottom line. Of Cabin in the Woods. It just works, and it definitely re, kind of redefined what people think of as a monster movie. And ah, oh, so good. Yeah, very true. I, it it kind of brought the whole thing back to back to what I expected. Yeah, definitely. Because, like, are, are, so here's kind of a different point I wanted to make. And that's, I was recently kind of uh, flipping through and I saw The Hills Have Eyes come on. Oh, man. And The Hills Have Eyes is one of those movies, right, where I, I, and I kind of hesitate to make this point, but when you see certain monster movies, right, you're like, man, that was lame. And the way the monster movies get people to come and see them, right, is they have the great trailer. Like, you see, like, before a movie. Like kind of like Super Raid, right? Where you don't know what's happening until you actually see it, and it's kind of a letdown. Hills of Eyes is the same way. When you have that great pan out in the desert, and then all of a sudden the bag flips over, and she's being drug along, and you realize, oh, you're being abducted by some terrible heinous creature. That was probably better than the entire movie. Yeah, and like, and, and thankfully, movies like Cabin in the Woods are and Godzilla, King Kong, the ones we mentioned already. 
are actually good movies with more substance than just you know having a trailer to make a quick buck. Well, see, that's the other thing is like the saw. first <laughs> uh, the first trailer I saw for Godzilla is actually ten minutes worth of footage or five minutes worth of footage from the actual film. Like in oh, sequence, did, did, did they leak that online before the movie came? They out? didn't leak it. It was oh. actually the announcement trailer. Oh, okay. And it's where they're uh, they're doing that halo jump above the city, and then they uh, they come down through the clouds, and that was actually in the film. But I think what they ended up doing is in the trailer they didn't they they, they just had Godzilla in that scene. There's something else going on whenever that scene happens, but. It felt really good. It was basically like you know you remember the announcement trailer for Batman uh, Dark Knight. Yes, totally. It's the entire bank scene. Yeah, that was so and oh yeah, that's still a great scene. And then the opening yeah. to the movie is that bank scene, right? So you're going in knowing exactly yeah. where you're starting. Oh, man, it, it was one of those yeah. moments where it's like it tied it so like the the branding and the messaging and everything that they did before the film came out, and then Godzilla coming out, and then actually watching it, they brought a lot of that back together. It really made it very cohesive. Yeah, Godzilla. I'm I'm actually really happy that people are taking this and not only re, like redoing it, but running with it. They're really trying to create these great, you know, they're great source material. You got all these great monsters, all this great history, and they're actually beginning to do it justice. Well, they're doing justice enough, but the monster that they bring in is not necessarily canon. Oh, I think they touch on this, and I don't know enough history about Godzilla to really have an opinion on it. But as far as I can tell, this is a new type of monster. Kind of in the same vein, though. Got it. Um, I'm... Godzilla had tons of monsters over the course of uh, of like the original movies. Yeah. yeah. Well, like everyone was hyping Mothra. Mothra. Mothra is one of the classics. I would have yeah. loved to see Mothra in this one, but at the same time, I can see why they didn't. And the reason why is because there's so much history there yeah. that it would be really hard to do it justice in a first run. Well, you got yeah, all those uh, classic Godzilla guys. You got King Ghidorah. You got Mothra, Rodan the Pterodactyl. Uh, uh, Mecha Godzilla comes along later and Destroyer. And... Well, Mecha Godzilla was a totally different concept. That that was actually a man-made yeah uh, it, it response. Yeah, response to Godzilla, right? But he, but he he turned into kind of a classic Godzilla villain. Yeah. Afterwards, but yeah, it's a that's kind of the whole point. Does he all these great monsters to play off of? So Godzilla, I I, I could totally see him spurring off two or three sequels. But so this Easy. is a, yeah. Godzilla was another example of how the Continu- the continuity of scale yeah. really took precedence, I think. Because when you look at movies where continuity of scale is everything, like more recently Pacific Rim, mm-hmm. the scale of all these action sequences, like they're so larger than life. But when you look at the suit in respect to the pilots right. in Pacific Rim, I mean, it's fairly comparable. It's exactly like Gundam in a way. Yeah, but Gundam's cooler. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as far as mechs go. But yeah. I mean, Pacific Rim was actually a pretty good attempt at a mech film. It, all right, here, here's me because I just want to rant for like one minute. And that's that in the movie Pacific Rim, I didn't buy it because if you're going to have a monster attack like that on major cities... You do not respond by building, by building giant mechs. You just don't do it. You have you know more, more tactical response. Well, of, hold up. Let's so just in the movie, <laughs> in the movie, they're already in the thick of it. Yes, like they've That's they've right. been dealing with the kaiju for a while. Yeah, and they developed mechs as a response to the kaiju. Right. So it kind of follows your point, but at the same time, like you know, apparently it's working. Yeah, it works better than granted. It bankrupt a number of countries. But... <laughs> 
Yeah, because you also well, the keep that there's only mind. six of them left. Yeah, right. Because they can only build so many until you run out of money and resources. And well, then stuff you like know that. they divided yeah. they divide, uh, they diverted resources to that wall they were building. Right. And then they fucking built they fucking crushed the wall in Australia. Right. Freaking kaiju. God. Yeah, and, and then of course, like the kaiju's kept getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> it's well, like... yeah, I mean, like they they were sent as a uh, demolition force, basically. <laughs> But anyway, as but far the, as the, the whole concept was just funny. As far as monster movie and sci-fi it, films go, it was actually really, it was really good. It, yeah, it, it was it was a good monster movie, uh, but you have to suspend a lot of, a lot of belief. Like you just have to suspend all your disbelief. I, I went just, in with zero expectations and yeah. expected nothing less than a actual like monster fight. Yeah, and that's and exactly there were what they multiple delivered. monster fights, <laughs> no doubt about it. it. It just felt really good as like a action film. Where you got to see enough of the monsters doing their thing, and then at the same time, you also got to see like a really well done and well articulated CG film. Right. Yeah, you did. Yeah, like, and that's the thing. Like, remember that like, Guillermo del Toro did Pan's Labyrinth, which we already said was awesome, and Pacific Rim. So it's kind of interesting to see him make not only two monster movies, but two very different monster movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, and he also did Mama. I like, never saw that, but that's that's more horror than monster, right? More horror, but a little yeah. bit of monster. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, that that was definitely a horror monster film in a way because Mama is technically a manifestation. Ah. Um, but okay. yeah, that's I, always fun. That that was another one where the character design kind of fell flat, and I felt like it kind of went the same way as Super Eight. Yeah. Yep. It it almost seems too easy to fall in that pitfall though, where you're like, okay, you know, monster movie. The next thing you know, it's like, uh, you know, let's build the suspense really high and then kind of not deliver at the end. Well, I feel like the only real genre where you can actually make that work is in video games. You have this in you have this scalable universe that you can actually like, you you can basically do whatever you want. In sure. context yeah. of a live action film, it's a little harder to establish that because right. the character isn't so invested uh, the sorry, the viewer isn't as invested. Maybe the future then we just all start playing RPGs. <laughs> I think it's going to move that direction. Maybe Mass Effect kind of Mass paved the Effect way for it. Really did it until you had to buy fifty DLCs in order to cl- create <laughs> damn game at the end. Because, <laughs> like, let's face it: if you don't buy the Citadel DLC for all the nerds out there, Mass Effect feels incomplete. It yeah. just does. Like, anyways, but yeah, no, Mass Effect was great though, and and uh, many other RPGs are very immersive like that, where you're able to actually travel around. Knights of Republic comes to mind. Now, the one thing I will say is I'm really curious to see how they decide to franchise monster films now, because the only thing I have not seen about Godzilla yet is the action figures and the video game. Yes. I've seen nothing on yeah. any of that, and I'm really hoping they don't do a video game with this one. You know what, though? They actually did a really good Godzilla video game uh, a few years ago. It was, it was on the, the original Xbox, so it was more than a few years ago. It was called, sure it was called Destroy one. All Monsters, and it's like a third-person fighting, and you get to play as like all the Godzilla monsters. And it was actually halfway decent. I'm gonna have to check that out, but I don't think that was in association with the film. No, it, no, no. This is long before. This is long after the '98. I think this is around 2004 or five, probably when this game came out. Okay. And it's long after '98, and long before the current one. Okay. Yeah, but it, it just did a lot of homage to like uh, the classic Godzilla monsters. Dig it. So, what do you think? Kind of uh, as a final note, what do you what do you think? is the future of monster movies. Do you think we're all going to have to start playing video games, or is there a lot of hope in cinema? Well, so the one thing I think is going to happen is we'll have more CG. Oh, yeah. That's but I'm really curious yeah. to see if uh, animatronics can kind of make their comeback. That'd be interesting. And uh, using a lot more like prop action. Because Yeah, well, the thing about Jurassic Park. 
Well, Jurassic Park, yeah. uh, Aliens. Aliens is big too. Huge. Uh, Predator. Predator. And then Actually, yeah. more recently, uh, uh, Phil Tippett, who is one of the bigger uh, live action uh, prop makers there in the go. industry. Uh, he recently did a uh, Kickstarter last year, year before, uh, for his project called Mad God. And it's entirely like all of it is completely hand. It's done by hand. There's uh, virtually no CGI other than the so, editing. That's so exciting, and that's why Kickstarter is so great. Is because you get these kind of really great projects that would normally not get financed. But so he's kickstarting yeah. a second one for Chapter Two, and then he's got a Chapter uh, Three in the works. I mean, the whole thing is planned out. He's got storyboards for everything, and the the perks you get or you can sign up for are awesome. Yeah, like you can get storyboard art. You can get a lot of original production. They actually had a couple of ones where they uh, entered you for a raffle for some of the props that they actually produced for the film. That's, really, really that's great awesome. stuff. Yeah. But I mean, his. A lot of fan beer. I feel like there's still a number of people that still want that very handmade feel mm-hmm. that Aliens had and Predator and all those Alien things. Alien and Aliens, too, were both great. Predator, same way. I'm like, crap, well, Godzilla, we were talking about, kind of, like, paved the way of, like, uh, you know, like, getting a guy in the suit and was, like, kind of the mm-hmm. first movie that actually did, like, a, attempted a live-action monster movie that directly inspired Predator, because... Jean Claude Van Damme was in the Predator suit, <laughs> like. But I, I think eventually there will be a renaissance of you know bringing a lot of that old school, uh, yeah, technique back. I'm excited for that. Um, but yeah, shy of that, I think CG is here to stay. But yeah, I'm at, hoping, at least in part, yeah. It, at least it's becoming more yeah. tasteful. Yeah, it's not quite as bad as as, as uh, what, what am I thinking of? Jeez, uh, I think you're still thinking '98 Godzilla. Well, yeah, no, definitely in the '90s. CG was just like. So new, nobody knew what to do with it. <laughs> so, they did some good stuff. Yeah, no, for, for what they had and what they did, it was palatable. True. Oh man, I think that's our episode. Monster movies. So yeah, tell us what you think. Did we leave out anything important? Let us know. Bye guys. <laughs> <laughs>